0: Married with Children, the podcast. Hosted by Dustin and Callie. 230 somethings, just trying to make it through everyday life. For show questions and feedback, marriedwithchildrenshow at gmail.com. Sponsored by Spring Valley Farms. Spring Valley Farms is a family owned certified Angus farm that specializes in show cattle and freezer beef. If you have a young child breaking into the 4 H scene, there isn't a better place to visit than Spring Valley Farms. They aren't just looking to sell you a show heifer or show steer, they will be with you throughout the entire show experience. If you're a more experienced showman that would appreciate support from the farm that you buy your show cattle from, Spring Valley Farms is the place. The head herdsman for Spring Valley Farms has spent time working, showing, and fitting cattle at many Indiana regional shows along with the National Junior Angus Show. If you have interest in Spring Valley Farms, feel free to email us at Show at gmail.com. And now it's time for the show. Welcome to this week's episode of Married with Children Show the podcast. A little bit different episode this week. Planning on talking about a a topic that's kind of swept the nation here in the last couple weeks, and that's school safety. Um, we're going to take a little bit of a different look at it than what we've normally tried to do. We're gonna we're gonna take a serious look at it, not and not mix in any type of comedy or anything else with it, or any stories or anything. Just you know, both of us are educators. Both of us have a background in schools. Um, Obviously it's a, it's a scary situation. Um, It's a, it's a trying situation, but something we wanted to discuss.
1: Well, and something like you said, I mean, both of us in education and uh, something that really kind of hits home with some of uh, just the, the different things going on and, and the things that people are, are saying as far as how to fix it. And so it's, kind of something we're interested in.
0: Yeah, and just to kind of cover our background a little bit, um, obviously I went to the University of Southern Indiana, got my teaching degree there, taught for one year at Washington Middle School uh, in in Evansville, Indiana, over on Washington Avenue. And uh, since 2009, I've been here in uh, Jennings County. uh, as a part of the high school staff there. Um, you, a little more varied experience.
1: <laughs> yeah, I've moved around quite a bit. I um, did. A, I, I studied education at Franklin College um, and got my first job at Columbus North High School and taught there for two years and then was at Jennings County for four years and then have now moved and been at, at Brownstown Central Schools um, for, uh, what, four years, I guess, or five Five years, I think. Five, um, but i have been in education. I've been a teacher. This is my eleventh year, so um, doing it not as long as some others, but
0: yeah, and and obviously, you know, we, we had the the attack down at Parkland in in Florida. There was the attack a few weeks ago in Kentucky. Right. Um, we've seen several different school attackers across the country. One one thing I do want to point out. Um, And I will do my best as we discuss this topic. I'm going to try and be sure to call it a school attacker. Um, I think it's important to remember that. I think sometimes when we get the idea of it just being a school shooter, we start to lose sight of other attacks that could possibly happen. That's that's, true. That's not me trying to take the guns out of the situation. That's just a simple thing of, we really need to think about all of there's all different all different, that all different ways safety.
1: that's true, very true.
0: The first thing I'd like to kind of touch on is is the social media aspect of it and and it's it's really, really difficult for me to get on social media and read some of the posts that come from this, right because again, our everyday life is walking in and seeing these sixteen seventeen eighteen year old kids. And I keep going back to right now, my son is safely asleep in his bed his in his bedroom. And there are parents that are putting themselves to bed tonight and, and laying their head down on their pillow and realizing they're never going to see their child again. Right, right. And I can't imagine what that has to feel like. So the first thing I want to say, and we're going to discuss a lot of the different possible solutions or ideas yeah. or, or what could come out of this. The first thing I'm going to say is that there, there is no easy answer. And when I look at social media, if this issue could be solved in a meme, if this issue could be solved in one post, right. we would have done it a long time ago. Right. It is multifaceted. And, and the biggest thing that I would encourage people to do is instead of burrowing ourselves into our own beliefs or our own desires, our own interests – um sit down and have a conversation and and to be honest my father and I today had you know we we've, we've been redoing our upstairs and have had several political and economic and 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 life debates <laughs> yeah. while we've been doing that and today was probably one of the best ones because that's we him and I have a lot of differing views but at some point you got to sit down and just talk
1: Well, and I don't know. I I mean, and I'm sure it's not the only thing that you talked about, but whenever Alan and I left to go to the store and do our kind of running around, get our groceries and all that, you guys were talking about it. And as we came back and brought lunch, like literally two hours later, you guys were still talking about it. So, I mean, and I, and again, like you said, it is a lengthy discussion that just, you've got to see all different points of view. And so, but that was that was interesting.
0: And, and and I think that it's a multi, you know, layered idea, you know, going back to the the idea of like peeling away the onion. There, there's a lot of layers to it. But what we have to remember is and and I'm going to go back to uh, on one of the, the round tables or, or town halls with President Trump the other night um, I thought the one father that stood up and spoke did a really good job of saying, let's take the political hot button issues out of this. Let's really focus on school safety. And and that's what I want us to do tonight with this podcast is I'm not, you know, I'm not going to spew my political ideologies. You know, I want to discuss things that could really make a difference. And I would highly encourage, and again, you know, the the five people that listen to our podcast regularly, um, I would highly encourage those people or anyone who hears this or has interest uh, that has a certain viewpoint that would be willing to come on and discuss and talk. Um, you know, we're not going to get on here and argue and yell and scream and be some of these talking head shows on, on Fox News or right. CNN or MSNBC. But to honestly have an open and honest conversation about, how do we fix this? And that takes both sides giving and, and taking is yeah. the only way we're going to figure it out.
1: Yeah, no, I agree. I mean, it, it's 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 interesting to me. I mean, it, and you know, the other thing is too, like you said earlier, right now we've got a three-year-old and, you know, here in a few years, we're going to have kids that are, I mean, that are in school. And, and so what is it? I mean, it, it's it's scary, I'm sure, for those that have kids in school. I mean, and and you know, I've seen some of these things. So, um, I don't know. I mean, obviously we're there every day. And again, our son's going to be there here in a few years. And so, I mean, it's, it's definitely something that we need to look into. So,
0: and the first one that I want to touch on is the idea of the, the weapons ban or the, the gun ban. And I know that the AR-15, um, rifle. It gets a lot of attention. Yeah. It is the the current choice of most mass shooters. And you know, as as we discuss that, I, I think a big part of that has to do with A, they're readily available and and B, they're relatively cheap. You can buy a two twenty three Bushmaster or two twenty three uh AR style rifle at you know, most sporting goods stores for five, 600 bucks. So, but that doesn't necessarily mean that that's the, the reason right? why these, these attacks are happening.
1: Yeah. I mean, and obviously if what, no matter what you do with, with something like that, it, they're probably going to find something just as dangerous to replace it. If you know, or whatever.
0: And, and i I said this today. I was in a a class uh, about three weeks ago, four weeks ago, uh, school safety type class. They kind of looked at the – the guy had studied school attackers and looked at the common psychological traits that they were missing. And the thing I think about the weapons is there are other countries where we're still seeing school attacks, but we're seeing them with knives. We're seeing them with swords. Uh, this man you know, talked about one in Japan where it was an attack on an upper-level elementary, multi-story elementary, and, and the man was actually tossing kids from the window. So evil can happen right in multiple different ways. The thing I think that we have to at least talk about, I don't know that banning the AR-15-style rifle is going to change things what i do know is there has to be a discussion about the background checks right. there has to be a discussion about who is who's able to purchase firearms right i i know that you know florida has already moved to make it 21 and over to purchase firearms and i know that some people are going to disagree with that with the the sense that At 18, I can go fight for my country, but I can't buy a gun. You know, it's the same adage that they've used with alcohol for a long time. Yes, absolutely. And I I understand that. And I, I truly believe if you are serving in the military and fighting for your country, you probably should be able to own a firearm. And I think the important thing to think about as we discuss these kind of things is no matter what we try to do, there is no perfect failsafe. Yeah, absolutely. You know, there's no way to say, yes, if we do this, we'll never have another school attack. Right, right. And everything with it will work perfectly.
1: Right. Well, I mean, even like you said, some of the other countries have had, obviously, other weapons and, and that kind of thing. So is it totally going to go away? Probably not, but... I mean, we've got to to try and do something to minimize and, I mean, kind of figure out what what is the best route for this.
0: Well, and you and I have very different backgrounds with with guns in general. Right. Um, You know, I I grew up with a a father that's an outdoorsman who's a gun collector. And, um, you know, I grew up around guns. I enjoy guns. Um, It's something I have a passion for. You... um, your father i I've, I've redone two guns for him because they sat in the barn so long right. they were well i've redone one the other one i'm still uh hoping to redo at some point but not not a, no, not I, a it wasn't a hobby i guess no, i should and say I've, for your family no
1: i've definitely never been around around him especially to the extent that you were
0: until you till you married me until
1: right especially up until we started dating and and that kind of thing that's whenever um, I was around him a lot more, so I mean that's the thing. Is even as you're talking about some of this stuff, I I don't know, um, you know, a lot of the a lot of the stuff about him, just because, like you said, I've not been around him. I mean, I, you know, I mean, uh, at all. So,
0: well, and the uh, I guess the second thing I kind of want to move on there is is and I kind of made a list of simply the the typical thoughts on school attacks and and where do we turn to and i guess it would be the idea of kind of the fingers where we point the fingers at and another big one that has been around for a long time is the idea of violent video games violent music violent tv right and there's no doubt and you know I, one of my part of my degree and what i used to teach was sociology and there is no doubt that if with my interest in sociology, when you look at how things have changed from the 1940s, 1950s to today, there is absolutely a lot more violence on TV. There's a lot more violence in the movies. There's a lot more violence in video games. I mean, we've gone from Super Mario Brothers, where Mario jumps on top of a turtle and (laughs) smashes a turtle to, you know, things like Call of Duty and, and Grand Theft Auto and things like that. The thing about it is, though, and I know people are very passionate about that idea that they shouldn't have that. I guess I would ask you first: what What are your thoughts about the violence that we see on TV, movies, and, and video games?
1: Um, I mean, I don't, I don't know. I, I, I don't. Know. I mean, I would, I would say, just by thinking. Yes, I would think that that would probably have some correlation of something to do with it because I mean some of the video games and stuff that you see obviously they're you know killing people and there's blood everywhere and you know they're racing cars and all that kind of stuff like that's what if that's what they're watching whether it's video games or TV that's what they're going to associate with real life you know I mean or kind of their perception and so my my first gut thought would be okay there may be a correlation
0: and i think that part of it is the concern of you know the desensitization and can i you know i've grown up in the video game era i've I've played a lot of video games can i say that i'm the movies and television and and games that i've played over my life if i am i more desensitized to stuff probably i'm probably not as shocked When I see injuries or see things that happen, but I also think that's a personal, a personal thing. I agree. In the flip side, you still (laughs) can't watch a lot of that kind of stuff.
1: No, I can't watch it. I mean, like in, I mean, I and I, I'm kind of one that's into like the Criminal Minds and uh, Law and Order, SVU, and like so. I mean, those kind of shows to where you do, you know, see some of the violence and that kind of stuff. And does that No, that doesn't make me want to do any of that or or you know think about any of that so um but me, it still turns
0: it, it still turns your stomach to <laughs> yeah. see to see some of the surgical procedures yeah. or you know those type of things that happen, it yeah. turns your stomach so whereas I guess I could say i'm desensitized, but I also think you think about doctors and nurses who go into college or, or go on to study medicine and watch videos of surgeries and and they're desensitized too. right
1: well i was going to say for me i think it almost makes me especially with some of those kind of shows more uh i don't know like timid or scared like scared and you know in certain situations it's like it it's like oh man i remember seeing something like this on criminal Minds or something stupid like that so like for me i think it almost works in the opposite it like makes me freak out a little bit more okay but right. i mean i i don't know
0: Well, in an interesting article I pulled, and this is from the USA Today, and it says that after Parkland, video games are back in the critics' crosshairs. So that's the title if you want to look it up. It was written by Greg Topo, uh, again, of the USA Today. And it talks about a Villanova University psychologist and researcher, uh, researcher, Patrick Markey. And basically the gist of his research is that video games have zero connection to school attackers and his actual research says it's actually the opposite and basically to and again go look this article up it's a really interesting article i want to read some more stuff by uh this the psychologist patrick markey but basically his research is the idea that video games have become mainstream and right. if 70 percent of our children are playing these violent video games, that's now mainstream. So yep. you can't be an outsider if you're involved in that. Right.
1: And and a lot of those kids that, I mean, they when they go home, they play those video games from, you know, like 3.30 or 4 o'clock when they get home off the bus until midnight or later. at Like, I mean, during the day. Like, that's what they do all afternoon and into the evening. I mean, they won't go. To, I mean, like, but like you said... In in the years that I've been teaching, I don't think it's just, like, one or two kids that I've mm-hmm. heard. Like, it's a lot of kids. They're like, yeah, I was up late playing video games, you know, or, or whatever. Like, they're they're big gamers, you know.
0: Well, and I think the other thing that has happened is that, you know, a lot of those games are multiplayer online games where you have, you know, several people on a team playing. I'm thinking of the Call of Duty type games. And you've got several people on a game playing that many of them talking on headsets together and communicating and I think that takes some of that isolation feeling out of it is you may not know the other 5 guys you're playing with that's true but you can build friendships through that that takes kind of that loner feel out so, of
1: it so so you don't really you're not literally necessarily just sitting there uh, you know on your own playing the entire video game so, I mean, I, because you're, you like you said, you're talking to other people because, yeah, I, so.
0: And the other side of it that, that the Patrick Markey brings up is when he looks at most school attackers, it's actually the opposite. They usually fall into a great obsession with some type of game that is non-violent. Um, he talks about Adam Lanza, who was the Sandy Hook elementary sh- school attacker and his obsession was with dance dance revolution. And in the article, it says that he would have to actually be, you know, removed from the local movie theater because he would play for hours and hours till he yeah. would exhaust himself. So this psychologist is actually, you know, starting to study, could there be an opposite effect than what we originally right. thought?
1: Right. I mean, that, which, which, like you said, is interesting because, Yes, most of the kids I mean, if I probably did a poll with my high school kids, how many play video games number one it's I mean I would say there's obviously a lot of them uh, and then number two, a, a lot of those you know more violent games, call of duty and those kind of things i I would say there's quite a few of those kids that are that play those, so you're right, it's not unusual
0: yeah and and the other thing is i think I think the the whole idea of Music and and the movies and the video games, you know, I think that there's actually a probably a stronger correlation to that being a way to get some of those feelings out. You know, all of us when we grow up, I would say most of us, I guess, in those teen years, everybody has some anxiety, some right. some you know uneasiness, some self you know worth questions, some anger. And, and some of those things can be ways to release that stuff healthily, um, healthier, I guess I should say. I don't know if healthily is a word, <laughs> healthier uh, than others. But the other thing that he talks about in here, and it's interesting because I've read this before and I actually used to use an article in my sociology class about it, is that he actually studied crime trends from when new games had been released And what he found is in major cities, major crime areas, after a Call of Duty type game had been released, that crime actually dropped for several months following that. And it was the same thing. I used to have an article, and it's been several years ago when I was still in the classroom, but they linked also Call of Duty to drop teen pregnancy rates when those games came out. And why, why would they say that? Because the the young men who are typically, you know, committing these crimes or in the teen pregnancy rate or involved in these relationships, they're so busy with their friends playing these games. They're playing the game, okay that that they're not out getting in trouble, that they're not doing things mischievously and 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 causing, you know, havoc. So there may be a link. And and again, I'm not saying and, and anybody who still believes that the violent video games are a problem, I'm not here to defend that. I'm just here to say that here's one psychologist who's looked at it, and maybe it's an opposite of what we have. I don't have that knowledge. I'm interested to read more of his stuff. But I think it's something that, again, it's not a one. It's right. Not it's a,
1: not like saying that you, you know, if you're under this certain age or whatever, you've got to or you can't play these certain games. I mean, I, I, don't, think it's, I don't think it's that easy. I think it's an interesting perspective. Well, we have
0: that already. I mean, there's a rating system on video games right now. That you know, just like TV, yeah. you know, that's supposed to be mature or seventeen and older. And
1: do you have to put a password or
0: something in? You don't, but the, to buy them, you're supposed to be certain ages to buy. I mean, there's
1: those like games. a recommendation,
0: right? Now, how? Obviously, you know, with new technology today, that was a little bit bigger deal back when we have to when we used to have to actually go to the store to buy a right, video right. game. Right,
1: you can buy them.
0: You can download them now, and there's no real way to check to see what that age is.
1: Which I'm always afraid Allen's going to download some of those games. Not necessarily – I mean, I don't think he would download some of the crazy ones, but just for the – like, they cost, like, 50 bucks. I don't want him to download one that it's like – that's what I – so, I mean, but, yes. So, now you can just buy them. You don't even have to go to the store to do it, so.
0: Yeah, so, again – I encourage people to look some of that stuff up. I'm not at all saying that that's the answer because it's a it's again it's a multi-layered problem. It's going to be a multi-layered solution. But one place where I know a lot of people had looked and pointed fingers is is this idea of the video games and music and, right. and television. And I just don't know that that's that that the data that the research shows us that that's that's the problem. Yeah. You know, the next thing I want to talk about is, is kind of the idea of mental health and, and where do we go with some of these kids. And it's a huge burden today on the school system and especially the school counselor. And, and I think a lot of times people have come to believe a school counselor is main focus is to, you know, counsel social, social and emotional needs You know, a school counselor is for career placement for, you know, yes, they have had to morph into some of that role, but that's not, they're not a therapist. They're not, they, they didn't go into mental health services. They went in to help kids, you know, graduate high school and find a path to, to, you know, and I was at another training the other day and I love the idea of, you know, the ultimate goal of, of high school is the three E's and the three E's are employ, enlist or enroll. And I think that's what the school counselor used to be. We either find you employment, we enlist you in the military, or we enroll you in college. So much of that time focusing on those three E's has been taken away with the social and emotional piece.
1: I mean, that, I agree. I mean, I would, it would be interesting to know what is the percentage of the time that they actually get to focus on, like what you said, those three E's doing that kind of stuff. I mean, because there's a lot of times somebody, you know, kids are going down there just because, you know, somebody looked at them wrong or they've got a bad, had a bad day. I mean, like, and some of it is, yes, it's definitely legit stuff. I mean, because the kids, here's the thing is too, is some of the kids, they don't have anybody else to talk to. So who are they going to talk to? You know, a teacher or a counselor or something like that. So, but I mean, like you said, it's, it's crazy. And I think sometimes for teachers, I mean, we've kind of got that role too. I mean, kids, I mean, you've had that to absolutely. where kids come. I mean, I, ha- I had a girl the other day, I mean, was telling me all of this stuff about, you know, her home life and all this. I mean, and it, it, number one, I am not trained in any of that, you know, and it's it's just you feel for them because they have no one else to, I mean, they have no one else to turn to. I mean, it, it's whether they do or not, they, they truly feel that way.
0: Yeah, and it's, you know, another part of this is the idea that these kids, when they're dealing with issues, don't have that person to talk to, but they've also not been able to... They've not learned the skills of coping with it. Right. And part of that is there there are good and bad in a lot of the initiatives that we push out. And, And I say this all the time, and this is a big thing my dad and I argue about. Anytime there's progress, there's issues. Yeah. You know, like I and I told him this today. If if Henry Ford never creates the automobile, we don't have people die in car crashes. Right. But the world's a very different place. Yeah. So everything with progress, there's a there's a consequence or a sacrifice right. that has to be made for that progress. So, you know, I think that the ideas of like the anti bullying campaigns, things like that have been very successful in kids telling things that they wouldn't have told before right on the flip side though i think it's very difficult because i think the old idea adage of sticks and stones may break my bones but words will never hurt me right i think a lot of kids now today struggle with this idea of you know being a victim yeah you know and standing up for themselves and 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 so they, there's a lot more where words hurt, but I will also admit this too: the viciousness of what kids will say today is much worse than even you and I both graduated in 2003. What we ever thought of saying to someone then?
1: Well, but when we were when we were in high school and things too, you like you said, you had to say it to them. The other part, the other part with it being. The the kids the you know nowadays they don't have to say anything to them they can text them they can put it on social media somewhere I mean like well, they're
0: they got to be keyboard heroes right isn't
1: and so I mean they can say stuff you know or type it out I mean and and they don't ever have to even face the person and be telling them that you know to their face or even like you know in the same room with them as they do it I mean they they're everybody's at home and you know or whatever and so I mean I think. Sometimes that that feeds into it, too.
0: Yeah, and I think the other side of the social media thing is, and and 17-year-old me, 16-year-old me would have wanted to kick my own rear end for making this next statement. And, again, my son is three and a half years old. Social media is not a big player in our our world right now. But what I would encourage parents from what my experience is working in the high school is – Monitor what your kids are doing on there. And again, sixteen-year-old me would would be ready right, to kick right. my own rear end.
1: Especially with all the with all the technology, and I mean, because texting wasn't even really a thing when we were in high school.
0: No, I don't. I, I don't mean, that think, wasn't
1: until we were in college.
0: Yeah, the, back then you still had like a ten text a month for like five ninety nine. Yeah, I mean,
1: I mean, I I didn't get my phone until I got my license, and it was one of them like literally the only numbers I had was like my parents' numbers, and I mean. That I had memorized, so it wasn't even like I needed a program. I mean, like it literally was just a phone in case something happened.
0: Yeah, so I, I would highly encourage parents to be active in their children's social media, you know, life, and that and that's on multiple fronts. That's on the bullying front. That's on yeah. this this idea of you know beating people down online, you know, cyberbullying. But it's also on the, the sense of who is really talking to your children. It, it has amazed me in my job the number of young girls who will add people to social media that they have no idea who yeah. they are um, and, and start conversations with them and, and and trust them with things that I would never trust people with on social media even if I hadn't known them in some way.
1: Well, I mean, I think the big thing too for them is they they want the number of followers or the number of friends on Facebook or, you know, whatever it whatever it is they 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 love I mean so yes where you and I you know if somebody wants to try to friend us on Facebook or Instagram or however you, you know say some of that follow us it, we won't necessarily do it unless we know who they are um, you know or or something like that to where it's like oh you know you're okay with it whereas those kids they go looking for people to follow them and that kind of thing because again they I think at least in my perspective I think that they want you know, those numbers. They want to have so many followers.
0: Well, and let's be honest. Any any 20 to 25-year-old who has interest in a 13, 14-year-old girl or 20 and up, they're prob- their intentions are probably not positive. Right, right. Because you shouldn't be thinking about those type of ch- the children um, and young girls once you've hit that age threshold. Right,
1: yeah, yeah.
0: So, you know, the idea of mental health, I, I hope that our country will honestly take a, you know, my own personal stance, will we'll take a hard look at how we invest and put money to um, the ideas of mental health and, and, and positive mental health. That's the other thing. You know, I think we've got to do a much better job of teaching kids to build themselves up and have confidence right. And belief in themselves, and you know, believing that it's okay what somebody else says about me, right? Right. And and I don't have to have. And I agree with you about the followers thing. It used to crack me up when Twitter first came out, and I was in the classroom, and it was a badge of honor if you had more following you than you had follower, or excuse me, you had more followers than you followed. Oh, yeah, because you needed that ratio. More well, people had to be interested in you than you were interested in. and other the, people. And,
1: and you know, I had a, I had a kid comment just the other day said something about, well, I'm not on Instagram. they're not going to follow this person if they won't follow him back oh, it's, yeah, You know what yeah, I mean? Absolutely. It's like it be, I mean, which kind of gets into that ratio? Obviously, they're hoping more people will follow them, but it's it gets into that ratio of, well, you know, I'm not going to follow you if you're not going to you know put a number on my followers' you know chart.
0: And the other thing I'll I'll touch on a little bit is the idea of SROs in the schools, which an SRO, for those who don't know, is a school resource officer, and they're really a partnership between local police and the school system. This is the first thing that I'm going to call out and say, every school district in America, no matter how big or small, should have a school resource officer. If you are still operating as a district, you need a school resource officer. I understand the argument for us that, you know, we have several elementary schools, a middle school and a high school. You know, we have one school resource officer. Should we have multiples? Probably. Right. And I think that's a discussion that will come down the road for us. But the idea of having school districts... You know, and I think of some of the rural school districts here in in, in southern Indiana that have the closest thing is maybe a county sheriff's office that's 15, 20 miles away. Right. Now, the one thing I learned, and I really liked it when I was up and did some training with um, some school resource officers in Greenwood a few weeks ago, I also would encourage police chiefs, county sheriffs, to treat the SRO position as a very specialized position. Right. In the sense that it can't be what those guys called ROD, retired on duty. It can't be that, that officer that is not, and I don't want this to sound like I'm attacking cops because I, I have the utmost respect and the utmost support for our officers, but you can't have that officer that's just not doing a good job on the road that you throw in the schools right and i think we saw some of that uh with what happened in parkland or uh, Lakeland, parkland florida in this last school attack right with the school resource officer who refused to go inside
1: from from what the news reports and stuff have said
0: absolutely absolutely and and he's since resigned um he was of age to retire they suspended him and then he resigned so and again He could be a great human being. I I don't know him. I'm not going to cast judgment on him other than that position has to be looked at as one of the most critical and important positions there are. And personally, I, I have never felt better than who our school resource officer is and the job he does and the fact that his office is right next door to mine. It is a huge comfort knowing his level of character, his level of, you know, desire to help kids, I know what's sitting there, and, and I feel that our kids are very safe because of him.
1: Do you think that every school should have one? I mean, I, I know that it's probably not feasible, but, I mean, I, I would think the ideal situation, and I when I say every like, I mean, like, literally every school, like, elementary, or, I mean, I guess at least it would have to be within, you know, a a couple minute like arrival, you know, if something serious would happen.
0: Here's what I, I honestly Because
1: you've done a lot more research and stuff than with that than obviously I have.
0: I what I would say right now is I think every middle and high school in the country should have a should have a school resource officer. The reason why I don't say elementary, and this is a discussion that's come out of some of my training at the Indiana School Safety Specialist, you know, academy and and some of the other further training I've done. An elementary school, most of the time, the threat to the school is on the outside. A right. lot of times it's an angry parent. Right. A lot of times it's an angry spouse of a teacher. Um, you know, it, it's somebody who's from the outside going to try and come in and attack that building. What I would say about that is. In the elementaries in this country, we need to invest in security measures. Right. Um, And we need to get rid of lax policies. And and I hate to be this way, but we shouldn't have people coming in and eating lunch with their kids all the time. Right. You know, we need closed campuses. And I understand as a parent, there's nothing I'd like to do more than leave and go eat lunch with my son at, at preschool. But as a parent, first and foremost, I want them safe. Right. So we got to invest in the technology that's out there that we know, ballistic film on windows, you know, the ideas of cameras throughout the entire right. elementary, you know, all these things because you can lock an elementary down to where your threat will be on the outside.
1: Well, and I, and I, I guess, too, with an elementary, like you said, the, the person's coming in from the outside, you can, you can probably notice, obviously, them right away. Working at a high school building, depending on the age of the of the. Attacker, obviously you can. They can kind of blend in to where, especially if they come in in the mornings. You know, even though we only like at our school, I guess we have two two open doors. You know, but it, I mean, they could come in either of those doors. You know, at, especially at, at you know during the morning time. You know, the twenty minutes the kids are coming into school at any time, and they can come in, and nobody would. Have any idea?
0: No, that's a great point because you're exactly right. In an elementary school, if I'm a teacher, a custodian, you know, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, I'm going to notice pretty quickly someone out of place in the right, hallway. Right. You know, an an adult, a a a young adult that's not supposed to be Right. There. At a high school level, it's much more difficult. And again, you know, I'm not even sure what you guys is uh enrollment count is right now five something
1: yeah usually somewhere in there
0: and so you've got almost probably with staff about 600 people in your building every day yeah probably Uh, you know our current student count i think is around 1180 um when we start adding in you know staff and people there we're we're anywhere from 1250 to 1300 people in our building every day and again some of these guys are 18 years old walking down the hallway. Sometimes you'll mistake a teacher for a kid before then. So right. it is much more difficult in the high school. The other problem at middle school and high schools, in my opinion, it from this training, is your threats are typically on the inside. And I know that we can debate and you can look at different attacks. And I know this one that just happened in Florida you know this young man had been expelled from school right. and was 19 again, years old which again kind of
1: goes to i mean he kind of blended in i mean or at least attempted to it sounds like so
0: but the idea of you know still your major threat are your kids that are coming in that have had problems that that are that are angry about something right so i think it's really important that every middle school and high school has that school resource officer that's there to respond to those kind of things the other side of that too is, is even the day to day, not talking about school attacks, but as far as what our school resource officer does, because I don't want to make this this sound like our school resource officer is just sitting in his office waiting until for the something attack. happens. Right? That's not the case at all. But the things we deal with at the high school level, many times, are much closer to that line, and 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 at times cross that line of. Of criminality right but we're very close to that line you know whether it's drug situations or fights or domestic issues or you know right we're we're on that line that criminal proceedings may may be involved at the elementary level i don't i i do think if you put a an sro in and don't get me wrong our sro goes to the elementaries and reads he helps with attendance right He's a great mentor. So I'm not saying there wouldn't be something there. But the day-to-day to have an officer sitting in a lot of elementary yeah. buildings, you don't deal with the stuff regularly like, like what he does here. I,
1: I, yeah, I, I agree with that. I would agree with that.
0: So, yeah, I, I mean, if you ask me point blank, do I think we should invest in finding a way that every middle school and high school in the United States has a school resource officer? Absolutely. Here's my fear on the backside of that, playing devil's advocate with myself. Right. I don't know that those specialized officers are out there. because There's it,
1: that many of them.
0: Well, and it's just it's a, it's a whole different world. And that's what I've really appreciated about ours. Ours has been there now. At the end of this semester, he'll be there a year and a half. Um, and him and I have worked very close together. I consider him a very, very good friend. Um, and I got so much respect for what he does he came in off the road off about 10 years on the road yeah and had to learn how the school building worked it's right. different yeah i mean it, it is it is totally different and it takes a different set of of care it takes a different set of patience than what a lot of people have coming from the road and dealing with the general public
1: yeah oh yeah
0: and you've got to learn that in the school system everything we do is about teaching and and that's probably the best thing he has learned and he does such a tremendous job with it. It's about growing kids and making them better. It's not a, it's, it's not the end of the road. It's a chance for them to learn from mistakes and grow.
1: Right. And hopefully, like you said, teaching them, you know, you know, whether it's teaching them the consequences or, you know, just trying to teach them before, you know, we kind of let them out in the real world and, you know, then they do, you know, screw up, and and like, I mean, it's it's real stuff to where they get in trouble. So, I mean, I, I think that's that's interesting.
0: The other side of the school safety deal, too, that I think we have to invest in and focus on as a as a country is the idea of how we secure these buildings. Yeah, and, and for a lot of places, it's very difficult because, you know. Like my high school where I work in, we're the community center. I mean, right today there was the county-wide archery tournament there, and there yeah. was hundreds of people in there whose kids were shooting archery, which is awesome. And I am by no means saying I don't want that to continue, but there's hundreds of people in our building that it's unlocked,
1: and it, you can go throughout any part of the building. I'm sure.
0: Well, I'm sure we pulled our gates. You to think get so? Back. Yeah, I'm sure.
1: See, I don't. I don't. Man, I mean, at our school, I don't even know. I know they have gates, and maybe they do, do, you know, most of the time, but it's like I don't even know if they – I mean, I know, like I said, I know we have them, but it's like in those kind of situations, if there's tournaments or games or whatever, I don't even know that they pull them.
0: And and the thing is, our building is open from about 6 a.m. to about 9 p.m., At 10 p.m. every day yeah because there's Uh, so much going on absolutely i mean when the indiana department of transportation needs a public hearing they're in our they're in our auditorium on the weekends youth practices youth tournaments everybody dance recitals and again we don't have a ymca in the community i work in we don't have a public you know amphitheater or things like that um so the high school is your hub it's your community center and and i and it's a great thing i mean i i love coming in and seeing some of those young kids that get to come up and do those kind of things but on the other side that's a huge security risk and i yeah. don't think some people realize that if all we had to worry about was from seven or, to, or even 825 when f- the bell rang three. to 305 yeah. there's a different story there but but our building is open all the time but we do have to we, technology has gotten too cheap And I know that's a hard thing to say when I'm talking in the tens of thousands of dollars for some of this stuff. But the technology has gotten too cheap that we don't have, you know, top of the line camera systems in all of our buildings. That we don't have ways to follow an intruder throughout the building. Right. All of those things. But again, and I'm not attacking school superintendents or school board members for not making those things in place. They have to work within a budget that we're given. Absolutely. It's going to take state and federal government, you know, stepping up and saying, this is a priority. Yeah. And I told you the story, and and let me look here real quick, see if I can find the last schoolhouse fire where someone died.
1: Last school. I mean, because you think, obviously, talking about fire and fire safety and stuff now, what are, what are our regulations? We have to have a fire drill every month.
0: Yeah, you, you're...
1: The school has to, by law, has to have a fire drill every, every yes. month. So, I mean, that's something, obviously, that the kids are very aware of and, and, you know, are used to, that kind of thing.
0: I believe, and I'm just looking at this quickly, but this, this rings a bell from when I was at the school uh, safety specialist training. December 1st, 1958, in Chicago, Illinois, Uh, the Our Lady of Angels school fire uh, killed 95 people, Uh, 92 students and three nuns ultimately died. And there were several things that went wrong with that. Um, There wasn't enough fire stairways. There were doors that didn't open the correct way. Um, There was a lot of things that went wrong.
1: Which that's, I mean, just thinking about that, obviously, with With fire safety and everything, you've got to have so many outlets as far as doors. And so now we're talking about school safety. You've got all those doors for the fire safety.
0: Absolutely. and (laughs) so. But, you know, I thought about that the other day. And and one interesting thing I think we could do with that is, you know, you look at a lot of restaurants. and, And any public place has those same rules of, you know, fire safety right why don't certain exits of school buildings have those fire bars on like
1: there? that the bars that say you know it'll sound fire if you,
0: emergency yeah exit. so that if a kid leaves that goes off if someone somehow you know breaks in that way we're gonna have a fire right. s- sound and i know there's some other sides to that that could that be a problem but that was you know one thing i just that popped in my head when i was sitting eating lunch the other day but This fire happened in 1958. It totally changed our look at school fire safety. Uh And they mandated changes. They mandated regulations to having sprinkler systems, to having fully wired uh, fire systems that automatically communicate with the fire department. You know, that's one of the crazy things to me right now. We still have to manually make a phone call to the police department. You know, now we have radios and and they have our radio in the so in the dispatch. So I'm not saying it. But still, when some kid pulls the fire alarm and we know there's not a fire, the first thing we have to do is call our fire. alarm company, Get it turned off and call the local fire department. So so they're they're not not, sending them. Yeah. Yeah. So (laughs) if we have that technology, why do we not have. You know, and and as simple as blue boxes throughout our building that are, you know, here's a red one that's fire emergency. Here's a blue one that's a police emergency. Right. You know, and I know there are some schools where teachers wear, you know, uh, pendants kind of like the I fell and can't get up. Life alert, but they're, they're emergency pendants. But anyway, after this and after all these changes in 1958, we've never had another student die in a school fire. Right. So we learned from that. We mandated right. these changes. We forced the money to be spent in these areas. You can't build a school without these codes oh, yeah. and these standards. When are we going to do the same with the school safety piece? And again, I get it.
1: Obviously, there's a lot more scenarios and uh, you know, things that feed into it. Obviously, with the fire alarm, I mean a fire. Get all the kids out. I mean, the 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 goal is simple. The, um, you, you know the the it's 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 easy as far as you know what you're trying to do. Obviously, here, yeah, you know, with what we're talking about with the tax and things, there's a lot of different scenarios that come in, you know, and everything like that. But I agree. I mean, I I think that that you know it's it's interesting some ideas.
0: Well, and I also think why, you know we have to be able to and again i understand the budget but as as a federal government as a state government my fear going forward is it's difficult enough to educate kids in today's world where we compete against youtube and facebook and snapchat and instagram and we compete against their phones in class and all of these things that happen and i worry that the fear of the possibility of something like this happening is only going to make it more difficult to educate kids. Because I read a story or an article written by a teacher the other day that said someone pulled their fire alarm and said the delayed reaction was about 45 seconds before people started coming out of the classrooms because of the concern that is this a way to get everybody... A new ruse. Was, yeah. Is it it a way to get people out of the rooms to have some type of attack? So when we start adding that kind of fear in, on top of everything else we ask of these kids, it's going to be even more difficult. And that's not a woe is me statement. That's a woe is them statement in the sense that I can honestly say, and I I don't want to sound like the old man get off my lawn guy, I can honestly say that my entire time growing up and being in school, I never wondered is could someone attack the school today. I agree with that. I never had fear going to school. Right. Never saw someone walking down the hallway and thought, I wonder if they're supposed to be here. Right. I mean, we never practiced a you know, (laughs) a Code Uh,
1: blue or, you know, I mean, any of the code red or whatever you call it at your school. A lockdown drill. A lockdown drill, yeah. We've
0: never practiced one of those while I was in high school, never when I was in college. I mean, I think the first lockdown drill I did was when I was teaching.
1: Yes, yes, I agree with that.
0: And so it's a a whole different scenario. And And I don't think, I think we are naive if we look at these kids and just say, oh, they'll get over it. I don't think it's that simple. Well,
1: and I also think that even when we did those, those lockdown drills six or, you know, five or six, seven years ago, you know, when we first started teaching, it was a, well, we've got to do this because that's what we're supposed to do. I mean, even kind of to do it like, like a fire alarm drill. Well, we've got to do it because that's what we're supposed to do. Whereas now, it, I think it's definitely, and the kids, I mean, it, it's definitely becoming more real. Because it's obviously more, they're more aware of it. I mean, obviously social media, you know, and just the news and things helps with that. But, they, I mean, you know, I mean, they, that's that's the thing. I mean, the kids are talking about it. What would we do if, you know, this or this would happen?
0: Yeah, and I think, I mean, I think we we have to continue to drill. We have to continue to practice these things because, you know, The more we practice, the better we're going to be in the situation. Now, can we ever be fully prepared? No. No, yeah. Because those kind of situations, you never know what's going to happen. You know, I think the big thing that I I want to leave here, and and one of the last things I'll say, and I'll probably get some crap for this, but, you know, this generation of kids gets beat on a lot and gets picked on a lot, and you know, for being lazy, for not having a work ethic, for, you know, being addicted to their phones. There's a thousand things that people say about them. I do want to commend the push by some of the students for reform. I don't agree with where some of their energy is being put, but the fact that students across the country that are supposed to be lazy, unmotivated, you know, they got round tables with the president. You know, they got Congress to start listening. Yeah. You know, they're making some things happen. So, to those kids, even though I don't 100% agree with the entire message that's being sent or the way it's happening, kudos to them for standing up for something they believe and not being what everyone else says about this generation that they're self-centered and don't care about the world as a bigger picture. I think they're really showing that, you know, and I know I know some people are going to shake their head and 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 cringe when I say this. The world in the future is in a lot better place with this generation than what people want to give them credit.
1: Yeah, I don't disagree with that. I mean, it it I mean, I I do think and and like I said, when we're talking about it, I mean, they they're genuinely asking questions about what would you know what would you do you know if if something happened and somebody came in you know i mean and and again it's 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 a legit question like they're like, you know what would you do because I think it's because of the number of events that have happened, it is becoming a little bit more real to where they're thinking you know it it i mean it could possibly happen here, and so they kind of want to be able to you know think about it and figure out what would their move or their thought be
0: absolutely well we're at about an hour so i think we'll get ready to wrap (laughs) this up here um you know the overarching thing is be willing to have conversations And, and again i don't care what side of the aisle you're on i don't care where you stand on the issues if you're a huge outdoorsman pro gun guy right sit down and listen to some of these thoughts and again Listen and be a part of the process. The only way you're going to protect yourself is to be a part of the process. By jumping on social media and saying, you know, they'll never take my guns, that's right. not being a part of the process. Sit down and talk about how we can best do this. And, and I really appreciated my own father's take today when he said, you know, we have to get out of our own way. And if if there's something that'll save even one child's life, right. it's, worth, it's worth exploring and it's worth enacting. Right. So, be part of this process and and i don 't care who you are you 've got to be willing to be vocal in this, share your thoughts, share your ideas, and encourage that that discussion to figure out the way to keep our schools as safe as possible
1: right right um, no, I agree i mean and, and especially with both of us being in the school system i mean we're very passionate and and want to kind of see improvements. And and yes, I I mean, I'm open. I mean, I think we both are, a lot of people are, I guess I should say, open to suggestions and thoughts. And and again, seeing kind of everybody's perspective, because just like you said, you can't say you're not going to take my guns. And then the other side can't say we'll take everybody's guns. I mean, like you have to understand the the limitations there. So.
0: And the last thing I would say again, and I said this kind of at the beginning, if we have people that are interested in and coming on and continuing this discussion with us, that even if you are have one strong side and you disagree with things that I said tonight, I am perfectly fine with that, and I would highly encourage you to come and have that conversation with us. Um, I'm very open to it. so hit us up on our social media, hit us up on our, our email address, married with Children show at gmail.com. We'd love to have you come in and sit in the, the studio with us and discuss these kind of things. Um, going forward so uh, for this week this is married with children show the podcast Uh, this episode will come out on Tuesday we're planning on recording another episode tomorrow with our first in-house guest pretty excited about that (coughs) excuse me that one will be a little bit more of back to the norm some funny (laughs) stories some goofy things we'll talk about but this was just a, a an issue a topic that both of us felt passionate about and thought was important to talk to
1: No, I agree. So have a uh, great week.